All right, we are continuing our series in Acts this morning. Uh, Acts, uh, we're doing a, a four-week sort of flyover, and we're not getting bogged down in every story and detail in Acts, but rather looking at some of the, the themes and some of the practices and patterns of the early church, what set them up for such uh, a move of God, what enabled them to see such revival in their town, and revival not just in their town, not just in Jerusalem, but Samaria, Judea, in fact, to... Uh, Asia, Europe, you know, and beyond, Africa. Uh, there was such a move of God in this, in this place, in this time. And it was because of Pentecost, it was a, a special time and a special move of God. But I think there are some patterns that God would want us to see, to take a hold of and say, let's strive to, to copy those patterns or to copy the heart of those patterns. I don't think Acts is a book written for... Um, a prescriptive reason and saying, well, they did it this way, so we should do it that way, but rather a descriptor of how God moves and how God acts uh, amongst his church and amongst his people. And so we're looking at some of those patterns, some of the acts of God. Uh, In the first week, three weeks ago today, we talked about this idea of prayer being really central to all that the early apostles and the early church were around. Every moment that they were faced with a big decision or a small decision, um, or any sort of tension in their world, they prayed about it, good or bad. They went to God in prayer. Uh, and we looked at this big idea that nothing of God happens without God. And in fact, what we want to see here in Salem, what we want to see in our own hearts and in our own, fa- our own families and in our own community is a move of God, is that people would come to know Jesus in a life-saving way, that we would not just be a good influence on our community, that we would not just be a nice a uh, place where people go, oh, Sale Baptists, aren't they a good bunch of people? Because at the end of the day, that's not, that's not the heart of God, is that, he would, uh, that people would um, glorify a church, but that they would come to know Jesus as their personal Lord and Saviour. And so that needs a move of God. That needs God to intervene. So nothing of God happens without God. And God's called us to be a part of his mission, to go and make disciples. Uh, and so God's purpose for our life is always accompanied by his power to fulfil it. The big picture and the big mission that God is sending us on is bigger than what we can do on our own. And that's uh, an encouragement and a challenge. An encouragement and a challenge. And it's encouragement because we need something else to help us. We need something else to help us and God has given us the Holy Spirit to do that. And it's a challenge because it is so big. Uh, It requires steps of faith and it requires courage. Prayer was the default and not the last resort in the early church. Last week we talked more about the Holy Spirit um, and we talked about the more you listen, the more you hear, the more you hear, the more you tell. That the Holy Spirit, uh, his role in our life, one of the primary roles in the Holy Spirit um, in a Christian's life is to reveal Jesus to us so that we could know Jesus more, so that we could share Jesus more. The Holy Spirit aims to, to glorify and bring attention to Jesus and, that, and in doing so, that he would move through us in a way that we would bring and glorify Jesus to those around us. The Holy Spirit speaks to us and through us of Jesus. And this morning, we're going to look at a big idea around community, about how the early church were the early church. They met together. Uh, there was something unique and something uh, special that happened uh, in this time that uh, began, that wasn't happening before. Um, they began to meet together in a way that uh, was all-inclusive and uh, that had people sort of buying into the bigger vision. It wasn't just a, 
a rabbi. It wasn't just a bunch of 12 disciples, but suddenly there was a move of God amongst his people. So let's read. I want to read some more of Acts chapter 2. We read some of Acts chapter 2 last week and the sort of experience of Pentecost, but I want to read from verse 37 to 47. It should be on the screen. Behind me, it should be, if you're following along in the Version Bible app, it should be in there as well, all the verses and notes. Um, should be in your paper Bible. You've got the right one. If you don't have Acts in there, go to the bookshop after church and we'll hook you up with the, the right Bible. All right, Acts 2, 37 to 47. When they heard this, they were pierced to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? All right, quick context, quick understanding of what's going on. Pentecost has happened, Holy Spirit's come. Peter's just got up and given a, uh, a gospel message. He's basically just explained to everyone, this is Jesus, this is what's happening, this is what it's all about. The people listening, you know, if you were here last week, they were all sort of hearing the message in their own native language. There was, you know... Uh, a whole mixture of different sort of nationalities, ethnicities, um, languages, dialects, and they were all hearing this gospel message. And so at the end of this message, they heard this, they were pierced to the heart, said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, what shall we do? And Peter replied, repent and be baptised, each of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, just as they just seen Peter and the rest of the apostles get it. For the promise is for you and for your children, for all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call. With many other words, he testified and strongly urged them, saying, Be saved from this corrupt generation. So those who accepted his message were baptized, and that day about 3,000 people were added to them. Imagine that, about 120 people, roughly this size people, we fill with the Holy Spirit, preach, and then big swarms of crowds come in, somehow surround us, the building, hear us without any PA system, and um, get saved. We'd be fine with that, wouldn't we? We'd be ready to go, 3,000 people joining our community. All right, anyway, that wasn't a point of the message. They devoted themselves, verse 42, to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, and to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and signs were being performed through the apostles. Now all the believers were together and held all things in common. They sold their possessions and property and distribute the proceeds to all, as anyone had need. Every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple and broke bread from house to house. They ate food with joyful and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favour of all the people. Every day the Lord added to the number those who were being saved. So God, we thank you for your word this morning. We thank you that it is alive, it is active. God, this is your living word. And God, you want to speak to our hearts this morning. You want to transform us. And Holy Spirit, we thank you that you are in this place that you reside and live in each of us who call you Lord. And so, God, we pray that you would speak to us and enable us to obey in faith this morning. Amen. Amen. Um, I don't know about you, but if you're anything like me, um, sorry, first and foremost, sorry that you're anything like me, but <laughs> if you're anything like me, I've got a, like, I've got a shed in my backyard, uh, and when I walk into the shed, it... It doesn't look super organised. It doesn't look like things are put away. But if you asked me where something was, I'd be able to walk in there and find it within, you know, less than a minute. I'd just know, like, instinctively, ah, that's where that screw... It doesn't... That's where that screw and bolt belong. It doesn't belong with all the rest of the screws and bolts. Don't, don't kid yourself here. It belongs next to the hammer 
just on the ledge there because that's where it goes. And so I find even um, Harrison, my oldest, is, is the same with his toys. You know, he's got, a, he's got a, a different tubs for different sort of categories of toys, if you like, you know, figurines or transformers. I mean, everything's a fighting toy for Harrison, but um, all these different fighting toys. But you ask him, oh, where's this toy? And he rummages through some obscure box of puzzles and pulls out this arm of a transformer. It's like, oh, this is where I, it is. It's like, that's not where it goes. But he knows where it is. He knows where it belongs. And that's where it is. Uh, and I think in the same way, the church should be a, a similar picture where everyone, whether it looks right or seems right, everyone should have their place where they belong. Where it's like, this is your place. This way, it, it might always be a, a pretty picture or like this is exactly how I, in my OCD-ness, would organise it, but this is how God has organised us and every person has their place and everyone belongs. Everyone belongs. And sometimes we find ourselves in a community, in a church, that we feel like we have no place. You sort of walk into the shed or you walk into the room and there's something in the middle of the floor It's like, oh, where am I going to put that? And sure enough, it goes in the bin or it goes in that drawer that, you know, has everyone got a drawer at home? It's just like, I'm going to put you in there and shut it. And one day when I move house, we'll discover what treasures lie in that drawer. Maybe that's just me. Um, I've got a few of those drawers. They're great. And they get harder and harder to open because you only ever add to them. You never take out. You should just every year just pull it out and throw it in the bin and start again. It's just a rubbish bin really, isn't it? Anyway, everything um, has its spot. And if it doesn't have its spot, you get rid of it. And the, the community of the Church of God should be a place where people walk in and they find, like, f- find themselves in a place where they belong, where they, where they fit, where they don't feel like they're just sort of put to the side or put out in the trash or put in that drawer that no one ever um, opens, but they find their place of belonging, they, fi- they find their place of usefulness. And so this morning this big idea is in Jesus' church, anyone can come and everyone joins in. Anyone can come, and everyone joins in. This is the pattern and the picture we see of the early church. Anyone coming in, anyone coming in, and everyone joining in. You know, we often have, and you're probably one of these people, people move from town to town for different jobs and different careers and, and different things. And um, and if you're a Christian, one of the first things, hopefully, that you do when you move to a new town is you look for a new church. You try to find a place where you can submit yourself. And this happens, I talk to people just about every week, that are looking for a new church, finding their, finding their feet in a new town, a new place. And it's interesting what people look for in a new church. You know, some people have, I mean, there's always sort of polar opposites in, in a lot of ways when it comes to music style there's polar opposites in what people want and are looking for in preaching styles there's polar opposites in what people want and are looking for they want something that's really exegetical and word-based or people want something that's really practical and just life ap- application and topical funny or serious or long or short you know whatever it is or great kids program or no kids in this in the church that I'm looking for or Whatever it is, but one thing that is common amongst, I think, everyone that I've ever talked to is people want a great community. They want a place where they can find great friends, where they can find a family. I've never heard of someone complain about a church that was too friendly or too community-minded, that, did, that was just, just like too welcoming. 
It's like, oh, it's just like sickening. I just, oh, I just, they kept giving me food and calling me and being friends to me. Like, I just wanted to find a church where everyone hated me. Like, like I've never, surprisingly, I've never had a conversation like that. And maybe that's the church you're looking for and maybe, hopefully this is not it for you, but if it is, we definitely need this message this morning. Um, But everyone's looking for quality community. No one complains about too much fellowship. Too much generosity, too, too much friendliness. And in the Acts Church, they really nailed this idea of community. It was all centered around this idea of community. That's what the church is really all about. God's people together. God's people together. Verse 44 of that, that, chapter, um, that passage we just read. Now all the believers were together and held all things in common. And throughout Acts, we see this time and again, just churches being planted. You know, the gospel was spreading. We've talked about this. The, the move of God was happening and Peter, Paul, uh, whoever it was that were going out to different places were, were seeing the gospel spread and people coming to faith. But they didn't just go and sh- share the gospel and, and see people come to faith. They always planted a church. They always said, now, this is great. What, you, what you've experienced and what you've heard is fantastic. But now we need to get someone to, to lead this movement. You need to keep meeting together. This is a new community. It was like, and that's a lot of the letters in the New Testament, uh, letters of churches that were planted throughout Acts, because people needed to come together. Even in, back in creation, Adam and Eve. Adam was created and then God said, oh, you know, it's not good that man is alone. It's, this is not good. Man should not be alone. I'll create Eve. Community was in the front of God's mind. And, and why is that? Because God is a God of community. In and of himself, he is a trinity, God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so when he creates mankind, when he says, um, let us create let us create man in our image, this is God speaking in Genesis 1, I don't have the verse, 26 I think it is, let us make man in our image, he's speaking from a plural sense. Let us, come on, Father, Jesus, Holy Spirit, let us make man in our image. And so... We are created from community for community. We're created from this community image for community. We can't serve God and serve uh, and live the way God wants us to outside of godly community. It's just the way he's created us. It's the way he's designed us. And we see that so beautifully through, through Acts. It's in God's design, togetherness. Perfect togetherness is what we see in the Trinity, and it's what we are striving for. So four things that I see in the community throughout Acts, and I'm sure there's plenty more that you can see, but four things I saw as I sort of read through and, and, and put this message together. The first one was this, that it was a diverse community. It was a diverse community. All were welcome. You know, the gospel unites people that have no other reason for unity. So in this story, let's, go, let's backtrack a bit, and we read this last week, but I want to read it again. Um, verses 5 to 11 of Acts chapter 2. So Holy Spirit's come, tongues of fire, rushing wind. All the stuff was happening, and now there were Jews staying in Jerusalem. Pretty obvious. Devout people from every nation under heaven. And when this sound occurred, a crowd came together and was confused because each one heard them speaking in his own language. And they were astounded and amazed. Look, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? How is it that each of us can hear 
um, them in our own native tongue. Parthians, Medes, Elamites, those who live in Mesopotamia, in Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phygeria, Pamphyla, Egypt, and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them declaring the magnificent acts of God in our own tongues. Skip down to verse 41. So those who accepted his message were baptized, and that day about 3,000 people were added to them, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, and to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. So the very picture we have at the end of Acts 2 of this community where everyone's coming around the word and praying and um, giving to each other is these people. Is these people. So there's 3,000 people that have just come from all different nationalities, backgrounds. People that probably were enemies in the past coming together and they're all together and they all have this thing in common that they're saved through the work of Jesus on the cross. It is a uniquely diverse community in this culture and in this time. What was so um, hard for, for the early Christians was that they were, I think in my reading, the only um, religion, if you, if you want to call it that, and we will for this um, point, the only religion in the time that were um, monotheistic in that they said our God is the only way. Our God is the only way. We're not, we're not adding our God to the list of gods and paying homage to other gods and other cultures because that, that was sort of what happened in this time. That every culture had a God, but you could worship and give sacrifices and pay homage to other people's gods as well because it's just like the polite thing to do. It's just like, oh, well, that's your God. You know, I'll bow down to that one and bow down to this one and give to that one. It's just like, it was the cultural thing and the polite thing to do was to sort of just add gods to whatever God you wanted. But Christianity came along, Jesus came along and said, no, I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. This is it. And so they were sort of ostracized because of this, this idea. And so for, for this group of people that were so diverse to come in... Um, it was just a move of God. It was the Holy Spirit uniting them around this idea. It was different because the message and the way of faith was simple as well. So it was different because they were uh, monotheistic. They had one God. It was also different because it was a simple yet profound message. So um, one of the complaints, again, against Christianity was that, oh, this, the gospel message is just too easy. You don't, like... We looked in the, in the first week, you know, the, the idiots and the unlearned, the unskilled are the ones that are proclaiming this message. Like they're, it's, it's such a simple message. Like all the high thinkers, the philosophers and the, the people that I thought, oh, this is, look at the sort of people they're attracting. I mean, even look at, this was a complaint against Jesus as well. He welcomes sinners. He sits with tax collectors and prostitutes and simple-minded people. Like what kind of religion is this? But it was also profound as well because the best thinkers of the day, people like Paul, were converted and saved. And so it wasn't simplistic. It was a simple message, yet it was a profound message. It was for everyone. It was all-inclusive. There was no one that the gospel wasn't relevant to, that didn't speak to. Even today, 2,000 years on, we are still holding to the same foundational gospel message. It is still relevant for us in our life today. 
in an Australian 21st century context, the gospel still is relevant for us today. We are not the people that we're in Acts 2. We are far from that sort of culture. We are far from that sort of person. So we, you know, if they had known that 2,000 years, we would be sitting here talking about this, like they would be thinking, man, that is diverse. They would welcome anyone into this. Sometimes I think we think a diversity or anyone coming in is, is a scary thing. Until we realise how far outside we are, the original sort of group of people that God chose to save. It is a diverse community in Acts. Anyone can come. Anyone can come. And thank you, Jesus, that anyone can come because we are here today. Anyone can come. Anyone can come. One of the things we've been talking about over the past few weeks is this idea of home for all, a church for the unchurch, swinging the doors wide open. The invitation is out to anyone who would accept us. We're not an exclusive club but a family waiting for prodigals to come home. There is a seat at the dinner table for everyone and there, there's, there's empty seats and we're waiting for those people to come home and join in the family. Anyone can come. Anyone can come and everyone joins in. So it was a diverse community. It was a dependent community. Anyone could come in. They were dependent as well and they were dependent on the word and the worship of Jesus. So verse 42, it says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. And so this was the mark of the community. This is what set them apart from any other sort of club or association or religion of the day. was the word, fellowship, communion, and prayer. And we, when we get together, our aim should be to do the same. That we should open the, the word of God. That the word of God and the teaching of the apostles should be central to all we do and central to all, we, all that we come around. We're not just getting together for the sake of getting together. But we're getting together around the word of God. Whether it's in the temple, as it talks about, you know, they met every day in the temples and in, in houses. It, it wasn't the location that was important. It was the subject around what they met around and that was the word. Every time we get together, whether it's in the temple, in this sort of corporate setting, or in small groups, in homes, we get, we get together around the Word. We open the Word. What does it say? Who is God? What does He want with our life? They come together for fellowship. They're in the same place at the same time, wrestling with truth together, encouraging each other, working out the purpose of God together. They come together around communion. They remember Jesus. You know, It talks about this idea that they breaking of the bread. And that was just in reference to communion of the... Um, the Last Supper that Jesus had with his disciples before he was crucified. But really, the Last Supper and communion is around remembering Jesus. And so we take communion, but we also worship Jesus. We remember Jesus in all that we do. We sing songs about him. We worship him. And they pray. They rely on God for everything. Nothing of God happens without God. They were a dependent community. They weren't about getting people revved up to be independent warriors. It wasn't just like, come on, let's all go. We've all got our places to go and you do your part really well, you do your part really well and let's just hope that when we all get back, we'll, we're all alive still. They, they were dependent. They were dependent on God and they were dependent on each other. They needed God and they needed each other. And when we get together, we need to remember the same thing, that we need God more than we think that we do and we need each other 
more than we think we do. We're dependent on God and we're dependent on each other. Anyone can come and everyone joins in. They were a diverse community. They were a dependent community. They were a deep community. They had authentic love and care for each other. They were generous and they weren't guilt-driven. It was deep. You know, what strikes me as I read through, especially this little passage, is this sense that they just wanted to be together. It wasn't like they had to go. It's like, oh, it's Sunday. I suppose I'll go. I don't have a good excuse today, so I suppose I'll go to church and be with those people. Again. Or small group. Oh, 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 it's late. Oh. Married at first sight's on. I'll stay home. Not that anyone here would watch such a show. But they just wanted to be together. You couldn't stop them. It's like every day, they just kept getting together, whether it was in homes or at the temple, they just keep meeting together. It wasn't guilt-driven. It wasn't this sense of, I have to, but it's like, hey, are we, you know you've got those people, it's like, if they call, it's like, you want to hang out? It's like, yeah, of course. Come over. It's like 2 a.m. in the morning, but huh, I'll chuck the kettle on. This is great. They wanted to spend time together. Verse 45 and 46 talks about this. They sold their possessions and property, distributed the proceeds to walls anyone had need. Every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple and broke bread from house to house. They ate food and would, with joyful and sincere hearts. And so when they did spend time together, they were eating. They were full of joy. They were without need. They spent every day together. Now this is important to just make a note that this didn't continue. It wasn't like the early church were like a daily church service. That's not the point of this. That's not the point of this passage. It wasn't a, they, they moved on from day to day to week to week. I mean, they had jobs and the families and lives to live. Uh, and it's just to demonstrate to us this desire for community and the importance and centrality of community. Desire for deep community. And the same way, our togetherness shouldn't be reluctant, but a desire. And if it isn't the case for you, because I reckon there's people here, and I've definitely gone through seasons in my life, it's like, oh, you know what, I really don't have a strong desire to, to go to church or to go to small group or to be involved in that team that I'm serving with. I'd just rather be by myself or do something else. And so when we go through those seasons or if we're in a season like that at the moment, we need to remember that what initiated this desire for community was the Holy Spirit. It wasn't them just going, I need to try harder. I need to want it more. But it was the Holy Spirit who breathed on them, that filled them, empowered them, and brought them together. Divine community brings God's community that he desires and designed for us. The Holy Spirit initiates this new community and is able to give us a desire for it as well. They were good friends to each other. They gave us the needs of Rose. They practiced hospitality. Um, generations were together. We saw in, even in the upper room, they had the apostles, the women, the children. It's just it's this multi-generational sort of picture that was there. You know, I think sometimes we can find ourselves in a community and we don't really love being where we are because we don't have that person that we really want to be there. You know, I don't know if you've ever been in a place like this in church before. You say, I just wish I had a friend like this at church. 
maybe someone younger, maybe someone older, maybe someone the same age that was just really encouraging, that just spurred me on, that just uh, wanted to read the Bible with me or wanted to pray with me or wanted to do this. If I just had that sort of person in my life at church, I'd, I'd want to be there all the time. I think sometimes we can put that sort of pressure or that excuse onto everybody else. And, you know, I was, I was talking to Lauren this morning and, and seeing in the youth they've been talking about this idea of community and friendship. And one of the quotes and one of the things, ideas that they've had is this, be the person the person you are looking for is looking for. It's a mouthful, I know. But be the person the person you are looking for is looking for. Be that, be that person that you're looking for. The encouraging one. The one that's always in the word. The one that's always praying. If we all be that person. We'll, we'll find ourselves being the community of God in a way that maybe we never have before. Be that person to others. So they wanted to spend time together. They were generous with each other. And they served each other as well. There's a story in Acts chapter 6. Um, I won't read it out, but basically there's, um, there's some widows that are getting served and, and they need some, some food. It seems like a, a bit of a ministry for the church. And the apostles were finding themselves like having to sort these issues out and serving on tables. And they said, we need to find some, some other people to, to get involved in the mission and, and serve in this way so that we can keep preaching the word of God. We can't get distracted by this and neglect that. And so they found some people and uh, everyone sort of came together and said, well, these people can do it. And they prayed for them and laid hands on them and they sent them out and commissioned them and they began serving in that way. Everyone found their place and part to play in the body of Christ. There was no more relying on one person than another. It wasn't like, well, if Peter doesn't turn up today, then I don't know what's going to happen. There's no point getting together. You know, sometimes church can be like that. It's like, well, it's all on this one person or this group of people. And it shouldn't be like that. Anyone can come and everyone joins in. This is the community of God, that everyone plays their part. There was no more relying on one person than another. Everyone carried the weight of the mission. Everyone was bought into what was important. And they saw what the needs were. And they said, I can get involved as well. Maybe I can't preach the word like Peter can, but I can serve on tables. Deep community is all about playing our part, carrying the load together. When we all carry the load together, when we all buy in, when we all sacrifice together, it brings great joy and it brings great momentum and influence to the community around us. Everyone joins in. The body is most effective when every part of the body is doing its part. Think about a runner in a race. I mean, the, the body of Christ that Paul paints in 1 Corinthians 12, 14, you know, it, it paints a beautiful picture that every, when every part of your body is working together as it should, it's most effective. If you want to run a race and one leg decides, oh, today's just not my day, I'm not feeling it, no one's encouraging me, it's like, it's gonna, you're not going to win the race. You're going to hop, you're going to trip. Even if your hands you know, don't keep your balance, you're not going to be as effective if everyone plays their part, everyone joins in. The body of Christ progresses in the way it should. Everyone joins in. And as a result, it's a discipling community. As a result of these three things, it's a discipling community. New people are coming to faith. New people are walking in the doors. Anyone's coming in and they're getting saved. They're becoming disciples. They're becoming disciples of Jesus. People who grow in their walk with God 
and walk with other Christians, see people come to faith. It's a natural progression. It's an attractive life and an attractive community. Just the way they met together attracted unbelievers to be a part of their community. I don't know about you, but I want to be a part of a church that is just so attractive that people just want to be a part of us. And then before they realize what's happened, they're serving Jesus and following him with their life. There's just like, there's something about this community. Something about the way they, they just really love each other. They really want to be together. They really care about each other. There's real purpose and mission in all that they do. There's no freeloaders. It's like they all want to get involved. Everyone joins in. I want to be a part of that. I want to be a part of that community. It's a natural progression, an attractive life. These people had just heard the gospel, remember? This 3,000, they were like new converts. These weren't like seasoned Christians going, oh, now we're professional Christians, we can do professional Christian community together. It's like, this is just the move of God amongst his people when people are serving and in love with Jesus the way we should be. They just heard the gospel and now they're new converts, living in an exciting new community with real purpose, real authenticity. And from these new diverse disciples, more are coming. More are walking in the door and wanting to be a part of this Jesus community. The Holy Spirit moves when we come together in the way God wants us to. New people are coming to faith. It's a discipling community. And everyone is growing in faith. It wasn't just about seeing the numbers grow, but it was about seeing the depth of everyone's walk with Jesus grow as well. Everyone was taking bolder steps of faith, of encouraging each other, of challenging each other. There was a real um, devotion to the, 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 the teaching of the apostles. They grew together in the word. Anyone can come and everyone joins in. Come as you are and grow as you go. I've got a helper up here. He's taking notes at least. It's great. This is a home for all. A big welcoming community means we swing the doors wide open and anyone can come in. But the community of God strives to become more like Jesus every day. We grow together. As we open the doors wide, we decide that we'll grow together, encourage each other to pursue Jesus more, to depend on the word more, to reach more people together. And this is a dynamic community. The, the early church was a dynamic community. They were always changing, always growing, always relying on the Holy Spirit to bring them together. No one getting pushed out or pushed to the side, put in that drawer. Anyone was coming in and everyone was joining in. And so I guess the challenge for us this morning is to be a community like this. And maybe, maybe it's a, a, mindset, a mindset shift around anyone coming in about this swinging the doors wide open. Is there people that we think, oh, anyone apart from that person can come in? Or when this person comes in? Or when that type of person comes in? When they come in, I just feel a bit uncomfortable and it shouldn't be like that. Or maybe the challenge for us is around this idea that everyone joins in. That everyone carries the weight together. That no one's more important than somebody else. We've got so many ways where people can get involved and be a part of the community. Being a part of the community is not just coming on a Sunday. 
It's not just coming to small groups. It's not just serving on teams. It's, it's getting involved in, in each other's lives, joining in in this generosity, in this authentic love. And so there's plenty of ways you can do that. But I challenge you to, to ask this question of the Holy Spirit. How are you going with community? How are you going with this Christian community that God has designed for you to be a part of? Have you swung the doors open wide enough in your own heart for people to come in? And have you stepped in and got involved in the way you should? Because I think both are equally as important. Let's pray together. God, we thank you so much for your love and for your grace. God, we thank you that you swung the doors wide enough open that we would walk in and that we could be welcomed home. And God, we pray that we'd be a community that would welcome diversity, that would welcome people from different walks and backgrounds and, and ideas of faith and spirituality. But God, we pray that as we walk in the door and as we come and be a part of your community, that we would join in with the mission that you have, that we would see that we have a part to play, that, that you used uneducated people like Peter and Paul and John to serve you and to, to advance the gospel. And so, God, we know that you can use us in whatever way you want us to. God, we decide and we choose to join in on the mission that you have for us. And God, we pray that as we do this, we'd be such an attractive community that people would walk in through the doors and see you and choose to follow you. God, we thank you for all that you're doing in this community, all you're doing amongst us and through us. And Holy Spirit, we, we choose to rely and depend on you every day, every week to be the community and to accomplish the mission that you have for us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please stand and worship with us one more time as we close.